So good morning everyone, good afternoon, good whatever, wherever you are. Welcome again to Life Jitsu, the art of life, the art of living. Something I'm passionate about, trying to figure it out, trying to get it right. We're all a work in progress. Today's topic, uh, I want to talk a lot about self-love today. Um, that's something that's been on my mind for for more than a few years now. Um you know, the battle to to love yourself. For most people, most people aren't super confident. Most people aren't really confident. If you hit the parental jackpot, the, the parental lottery, right? You're born in the right zip code to the right parents. You have the right mentors. Uh, and if you're coachable and you pay attention, hey, you're maybe you're good to go. Maybe it's second nature. You don't need to read a book. You don't need to fix as much. But uh, for most of us, especially those of us born in inner city Baltimore, where uh, Johns Hopkins University estimated, I think it was 4% of those kids uh, in my generation, 4% of those inner city kids graduate college by age 30. So uh, that's just one marker, but you know, you, there's a lot you can read into that. So um, self-love. I saw Sarah Blakely from Spanks. I think they're a billion-dollar empire that women's undergarment wear, and you got Under Armour, Kevin Plank, and, and those guys out of my my native Baltimore doing big things. But but Sarah Blakely had something on Instagram about self love, and I I hashtag a lot of self love uh, lately, and of course I did my TEDx talk on uh, a big ego gets a bad rap, and talking about ego balance and ego management. And um, just something I've spent a lot of time thinking on because I think that one thing that holds people back in addition to, hey, oh, by the way, you, you get sort of low vibration programming for your early years, those first four, five, seven, ten years that are so formative and for a lot of people so damaging. It downloads a lot of fear, et cetera, into them. And so you spend, you know, it takes 18 years, 20 years to really mess you up and hey oh by the way it might take 15 20 years to to fix you right and most people don't want to do the heavy lifting to to fix that it's hard it's hard work i mean if you if you grow up not loving yourself and you grow up and your you know your parents and whomever aren't really loving to you and 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 aren't really respectful to you it's easy hey it's no surprise you maybe you don't Maybe you don't love yourself. So how do you do that? And that's what my TEDx talk, University of Nevada, that's what it was about. It's about wrestling with your ego, right? Your ego being this big continuum, this big, this, and guys, I apologize, and, 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 and women, I apologize because I am uh, I'm multitasking right now. I'm just trying to make time management. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm food prepping right now for the day, I mean, I do a lot of that. That helps me with some of the nutrition stuff. I enjoy cooking. I'm going to probably reach a point here later this year where I'm going to have to eat out more and more. But anyway, I'm cooking. I'll be multitasking. I apologize. You might hear me open some eggs or something like that. I'm sorry about that. But I'm trying to get a bunch of things done today, and I have a meeting. But but going back to the TEDx, so um, you know that that ego management thing. It's like you know how do you? I realized. There's a, there's a, there's, we're just constantly, it's like an ego continuum. You're just constantly trying to strike the right balance between 
confidence. And sometimes when you're messing around and trying to be more confident, trying to build your confidence, you're arrogant. You got a chip on your shoulder. You see people, we overdo it, right? Or the people, are, they work too hard on humility and they under they, they underdo it or they overdo that. And, and so now their, their humility, they get walked all over or they... They're, they're too what they think is humble. They're so humble that they don't love themselves. They don't build themselves up. They don't, you know, it's unattractive because it's so weak and so meek. And so I always, you know, that, that, that line, that, that, that trying to find, strike that balance between confidence and humility, um, it's a delicate, it's a tightrope. You're walking a tightrope a lot of times. Um, so it's something I've wrestled mightily with. I've had people at different times in my life, and hey, you're so humble, you're so humble. And I've had other times, hey, you're cocky. You got an attitude. You got a chip on your shoulder. I've been accused of both, and I'm being honest about that. And I actually think that I mean I've seen I've seen as I said in the TEDx talk I've seen big egos move mountains. You know, if we removed people with big egos from the human ecosystem human achievement and progress would plummet. It would dive off a cliff. It would dive off a cliff. So be careful what you wish for. It's like there's, I, you know, one of the one of the things I was going to talk about in the speech, it is a short speech, so I couldn't, there are a lot of things I could not add, but one of the things that I had said in the speech is, I mean, that I had written in one of my rough drafts is, imagine if you were in a forest. We were out in a forest and we looked out in the yonder and we saw a gazelle. And the gazelle or the zebra is just so innocent and doing its thing. And and then we saw a lion lying in wait. And we watched as this lion just you know sprints into action, tackles the zebra, the gazelle, and then uh, suffocates it. Suffocates it and we watch it and... A lot of us be like, wow, that is just, that is so, I mean, it's fascinating, you know, on, on, a, on a level of, you know, you're like, wow, you're just in awe. But a lot of us, we would feel bad for the gazelle or zebra. Wow, that innocent zebra gazelle just got killed right in front of us. And, you, wouldn't, you know, that's just terrible. That's really mean of the lion. And, you know, so we said, like, oh, okay, let's take, let's remove lions from the ecosystem because lions are bad and... And let's remove them. I mean, that's just wrong. So we, we we're like, we're going to remedy this. We're going to fix this. We're going to bring justice to it. We take the lion out. We go, we see tigers do something like that, and they're predators, and they're, we take them out of the ecosystem. We see a honey badger. Like, hey, honey badgers are, you know, they've got their, their claws, and their, the honey badger's just like the pound for pound, maybe the toughest thing on the planet. Let's take honey badgers out of the ecosystem. Let's get rid of all the bees because bees sting people and bees sting, you know, hundreds of thousands of people a year and people have allergies to them. And so we just go rummaging through the ecosystem and say, look, let's just remove every predator. And what do you remind, wind up with at the end? You remove, you're, you're on this quest to remove all the predators. What do you wind up? You wind up with just prey, right? Prey. But the, this is the interesting thing. When you wind up with all what you think, hey, that's how we have only prey. We can remove all the predators from the ecosystem. Guess what? The prey just form a new hierarchy, and with no predators, a lot of those prey just become predators. 
Now they'll become predators. Because it's the nature of power, especially human beings. You remove predators, a lot of times things that be prey become predator. Then. Okay, so the, the predator kind of feels that there's going to be a power gap. There's going to be a void there. Someone's going to always try to fix that void. And so you remove all the predators, something that is a prey, especially in human species, is just going to rise up and be like, oh, all right, it's a power void. I'll become the predator. I'll run things. It's the nature of power. The only way you can tell someone's really confident, really, really humble, the only test of humility is give someone power. Let them be. To, to my definition of humility, you cannot be, you know, being meek is not humility. Right? I mean, be, being quiet and is not humility. Feigning humility and acting like your humility, which is most people what I call the big ego incognito, that's not humility. Right? Real humility is when you know your power, when you are confident. Humility can't exist without the presence of confidence. So there's that, you know, there, there, I, I define it very differently. So the only test you can have is, you know, people have to, so when, when you, you know, when you talk about, you know, there was a thing, I, like one of my favorite quotes, this is my quote, by the way, and, and, I, and I developed it, I love it, and it's in um, pain, pleasure without pain is worth pennies on the dollar. Pleasure without pain is worth pennies on the dollar. It's the same thing with the predator-prey thing. As much as it disgusts me and some of the predators in our ecosystem, they're necessary because they do. I mean, we have, you know, some of the, some of the things that, you know, some of the people that have the biggest egos and they're cocky and they're arrogant, the Ali's. Ali used to say, I'm not the greatest, I'm the double greatest. Right? You see some of these... I mean, you know, Steve Jobs used to, you know, um, you know, was accused of having a lot of very famous, powerful people have been accused of being of having colossal egos. I wonder why. I wonder if there's a connection there. I think there is. I mean, I'm absolutely certain. I don't care what anybody says. There is a connection. You know, I was just reading that one of the big generals in American military was saying, "Listen," and he's he's under fire for it, but he was saying, "Listen." What we need, what makes really good soldiers, are cocky alpha people, males and females. They make the best soldiers. Oh, is anybody surprised by that? Because you got, you know, that that's there's something about the people that dare to think that big. Sometimes you dare to think that big. You dare to roam where no one else wants to roam. A lot of times you got to amplify your sense of self. So self-love, we make that sound like this, oh, this cozy thing, and it's and that's safe for people. But in the process of self-love, right, as I'm learning to self-love myself, I haven't, you know, I came from Baltimore, I didn't get it from my parents, so whatever, I'm going to look for it somewhere. No, nobody else is trying to, you know, I'm not living with nine different families, not a pity party, but the reality, it's like, hey, I, how am I going to figure out this confidence thing? How am I going to do something? Well... Nobody's believing in me. Nobody's talking me up. So what do you do? You talk yourself up. Start talking myself up. I want to be somebody. I just, nobody else was doing it. My parents aren't doing it. Whatever. So I'll do it. And then people, oh, that's unattractive. That's cocky. That's this. Well, I'm trying to figure it out. Give me time. Sorry. I'm sorry if I overdo it by your standards, but I'm working on it. I got got a big, fat insecurity to, sorry guys, these are eggs and 
but I got a big fat insecurity to 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 fix. And so I'm a work in progress, and I'm I'm going to get it wrong probably before I get it right. It's going to take years. And that's the quest. And so sometimes when you see a person, well, that's disgusting. Well, a lot of times that that person spiking the ball too much or over-celebrating when they do something good or rubbing it in someone's face, right? Disgusting. But they are being their own biggest cheerleader. Why? Because like where I came from, because nobody else is stepping up to assume the role. Nobody else is building you up. you got to build yourself up. And sometimes, you know, you're not... We're, we're, it's disgusting sometimes. We're trying to figure it out. We're trying to love ourselves. We're faking it before we make it. And that's really a str- something I struggled with tremendously uh, growing up and even into adulthood. And it's only in the last five years that I really feel like, wow, I'm really starting to get it right. It took a long time. Like I say, if it takes, whatever, 30 years to mess you up, it might take 30 years to fix you. Bite down and prepare for a long and interesting ride and prepare for criticism from yourself and from other people too. By the way, I'm making some some organic corn tortillas. I'm very big on corn. Corn is not a veggie. Corn is a grain. And I'm making three eggs. I'm cooking them in some olive oil. That's a form of self-love right here, what we got going on. I mean, what you put in your body, I always say that. Every bite matters. And that's self-love. I got some salmon for the road. I'm going to take some spinach, some some olive oil, balsamic vinaigrette, some sea salt. And uh, I have a meeting with a guy, an you know, anti-homeland uh, security guy today. We're just friends. We're not going to talk about any national security or anything like that. I mean, he's a very professional, confidential guy, so we're just going to just catch up. But um, but anyway, this this food thing is self-love. It's part of the self-love rabbit hole. And I got some broccoli, some steamed broccoli from yesterday too. Get some cucumber. We're gonna do that. It's just interesting. Look in the fridge and see what I have. I got some strawberries. I gotta taking a shake. I'm taking a shake for the road. Yeah, sorry, there's alarm. Taking a shake for the road. I'm eating Vital Farms eggs. I like their eggs. I think for unless you're you can buy local to me here in Vegas. They make a great egg. It's the most expensive one, unfortunately. I got a vegan protein for my protein shake. Um. I'm not big on, you know, I'm sure they have some good grass-fed whey proteins out there, but why why risk it? The, the vegan proteins are so much cleaner, um, and I can prove to you that they're cleaner just by seeing eye test where they don't stick as much, and that's they're not sticking as much in your container, and that means they're not sticking as much in your veins and your circulation systems. You don't want that gook in your body. So, again, every bite matters. It's, it's self-love. Everything I do, I mean, because, oh, you're con- that's conceited, that's this. And, well, if you don't work on yourself, I mean, if you're not, you know, again, the only guarantee is you're waking up every day with yourself. That's it. I mean, it's great when, if you fall in love and you get married and you have this happily ever ever. I think that's wonderful. It's beautiful. I... Would love that. I'm divorced, unfortunately. Um, well, I mean, it was fortunate. It was the right thing for, for us to do. But it's unfortunate that I, I never thought I would be that kind of person that would tap out on a marriage. And I learned a lot from that. But but again, so this, um, this self-love rabbit hole. I mean, it's... it's uh, 
you got to play around with it. I said in my TEDx speech, I mean, there's a, your, your ego is like a mansion. I mean, you know, a big, huge mansion and, and most people, you know, maybe there's, maybe it's a hundred room mansion and most people just go into three or four rooms and they stay there and they spend all their time there. And they don't really explore the dimensions because they're afraid that people are going to say, oh, you're cocky. They're afraid of other people judging them. But, man, I mean, you know, it's sometimes sometimes you got to be selfish to learn to be unselfish. And what, what do I mean? I mean, you got to learn to, if you're not loving yourself, then you don't, you will never have much love for other people. If you don't love yourself, it's going to be hard to love other people. When you love yourself, then you it's easy. Your love muscle grows and it's easy to reflect and shine that light on other people and, and love them and empathize with them and empower them. I mean, these people, we had an, an incident here in, in Vegas. Of course, that mass shooting, the guy got on top of the Mandalay Bay and he's shooting people up. And I mean, I can I don't I never met the, the guy, but I can tell you one thing. He uh I know for certain that he didn't love himself, positive of that, absolutely positive that guy did not love himself. And the people that are the biggest risk right now, we're looking at these shooters, these mass shooters, which are growing. I think there's been 200 and some of them in the last five years here in America, North America alone, uh, which statistically isn't as many people are terrified. Like statistically, I think it's like a one in six million or something like that. I was reading uh, that... You know, the odds, as a Harvard professor was saying, and I've always known this as a journalist when I was at the Review Journal, as, as much as there are violent people out there, people's fear doesn't match the threat. I mean, the probability of you being murdered is very, very slim. The probability of a mass shooting is extremely, you know, it's a decimal. But nevertheless, horrific when they happen, scary, you know, you never know. There's randomness. A lot of people, I know a lot of people that lost a friend in that incident, and so you have this, this, this wacko there, and... Well, you know, if we're breeding people, we want less shootings. We need a society where we teach people, we respect people. We, we, you know, it's a many-pronged problem. It's not just a gun problem. No offense. It's not. I mean, it's a problem. It's a psychological problem. It's a problem. It's an environmental problem. It's a problem. It's a bullying problem. There are a lot of factors that come together to create really messed up people that go on roofs and shoot people. And... One thing you'd want is if you have if you had a society of people that love themselves, uh, you'd have a lot, 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 lot less of that. How do you do that? Well, you just start with yourself. You know, you be the change that you want in the world. That's the only the thing you can do. And then when you when you can build that in yourself, you try to build that in others. That's what I've tried to do. I realize. Look, you know, it's like the the book your or. The airplane analogy, which Sarah Blakely alluded to today, and people have written books about, but your your mask, your oxygen mask first. It may look ugly, but that's, to me, how do you prepare for a season of unselfishness where you're going to help people? Well, season of selfishness. Work on yourself. It's the best thing you can do. You want to get a better job? You want whatever? I mean, it, for, it, the skills you have is not as important as the quality of human being you are, the attitude. People want to be around good people. They want to be around high vibration people. They want to be around people that love themselves. But that's the quagmire is you love yourself too much. People are disgusted by it. People are turned off by it. People are insecure about that. People are 
they feel smaller, right? If you feel, if you have too high of a sense of yourself, like an Ali or even a Conor McGregor, who, man, I mean, he's just, he was went off the deep end with his stunt um, this last week uh, in, in New York, for those of you who follow fighting or even just popular culture. It's crazy stuff. I mean, I'm just... I'm pretty much done with that. I give people a lot of benefit of the doubt, but my goodness, it's just uh, just to my the great UFC Ultimate Fighting Championship, which I loved. I worked for the them. They've done incredible things, incredible corporate comeback story. I mean, amazing what they've done. But my my goodness, Conor McGregor and others turning it into WWE. Not uh, sorry, guys, but WWE was 30 years ago in my rearview mirror. I don't have any ambition to to be part of that and the sports world devolves into that i'm sorry we'll move on to something else but so not that wasn't too i wasn't i don't mean to be all high and mighty and holier than now i try not to do that but there's just a point where i'm like you know this is not we're not that's not high vibration stuff you know i mean so that's really what i'm attracted to more now and yeah you want to get a better job you want a better life you want a better spouse you want a better girlfriend boyfriend whatever i mean look just Control your vibration. You want a better outer world, all the better. Outer world, have a better inner world, right? Better inner world. So that's, I spent a lot of time and in recent years, very conscientious of self-love. And as I've said, with nutrition, food, food is a, it's a very, it's an everyday thing. It's a very important thing. It's a communication between your you know your spirit and your and your cells. I mean, every cell in your body, the the water, how much you know your hydration levels, the food you choose, the consciousness. I mean, so that is um, it's huge. So that is something we're going to talk a lot about here on the Life Jitsu Art of Life podcast. We're going to talk a lot on about self love and being mindful. Whether you're on a yoga mat, whether you're in, uh, you know, mindfulness is interesting because I love yoga. I've been doing yoga for the last, let's see, maybe 15, 16 years. And I'm not like some incredible yoga yogi. I just stretch a lot. It helps me as I got older and all the injuries, especially my neck and my back. I mean, it's been, yoga's worked wonders. Yoga's incredible and met many great instructors. I've met many great people in yoga classes and it does occur to me, though, I mean, people think that when they think of mindfulness, they always think of the yogis first and the, and the yoga the yoga guru or instructor. And I've met some great, some very mindful and philosophical and master yoga teachers. But I want you to know, you, you, you have to stop just thinking of mindfulness in, in this yoga domain. It's It's absurd because mindfulness, I mean, if... If there, if there were no yogis, there'd still be mindfulness. And we can all be mindful. And if you never step on a yoga mat, you can have uh, mindfulness, and especially even in the martial arts, the, the real Jedis in, in martial arts and, and combat, etc. I mean, you know, they're titans, a lot of them, of mindfulness and practicing it. And what do I mean by, by mindfulness? It's just that it's that consciousness, right? It's thinking... 10 steps ahead, it's it's being aware, uh, having a sensitivity to 
to uh, to what you're doing. Really, a hundred percent focusing on what you're doing, focusing on your your motives, your intention, um, being considerate of other people, being considerate of yourself, loving yourself, and uh, and and starting to notice the little things, not just doing things on autopilot all the time and not even knowing why you're doing it, not being able to explain it to other people or teach it and so mindfulness is just it's being aware of it's having higher awareness and so you go as far as your awareness takes you it's like a person who doesn't hold the door or slams the door in your face or whatever and sometimes you get mad like man that person is so rude well they could be rude they just could also be not aware they're in their own little world they're not they haven't reached a point where they're thinking about other people as much. They're just thinking about themselves, or they're not thinking at all. They're not even aware of what they're doing. They should be, but they're not. And so it's just trying to grow our awareness. That's what, that's what a lot of life is. It's just levels of awareness. You don't know what you don't know. As one of my friends just said to me recently, he said, for him, he's like, man, the worst thing a person can have is they don't know what they don't know. There are always levels of, of a knowledge pyramid. And depending on where we are, I mean, if you take someone out of their element, right, if they're a scientist and they don't know anything about another world, a certain world, writing world or something, well, they might have a great level of awareness in one industry and a really horrible level of awareness in another. Someone might be very aware in their industry, but as a person, very unaware, very inconsiderate. And so, uh, to me, everything is connected to everything, and we want to, I mean, that relationship with ourself is the most important, and you show me somebody who treats other people well, there's a very, very high probability that that person loves themselves, and sometimes you can overdo it. Like me, I have a tolerance, you can have a big ego with me, it's okay, but just be considerate, have people's back, like compensate with it. It's okay. If you're trying to figure it out and you're trying to do big things and you're going out on the ledge and you're doing, and it's daunting and you have, you need that ego to maybe you are insecure, but if you have, if you balance it where you do care about other people, you are trying to do good things for other people. You will help other people. You have a good heart, man. I'm okay. A lot of people, they, they think, Hey, you're a pariah. You're, you're a terrible person. You're this, you're that. I, I'm, I have a lot of tolerance for a lot of things. I, I look at someone as like a total person. So big ego doesn't get you disqualified, doesn't get you kicked out of my world. Uh, other people, yeah, they're, they're, they're more shallow about it. They, they don't want you around because they just think, well, you're just too self-absorbed. But sometimes you need, sometimes, uh, you know, there's a time in, in life where self-absorbed people can get things done. They move mountains. Sometimes you got to think, hey, you know, my favorite mindset. I mean, and I, did, I should have said this in the TEDx speech. I don't know why I forgot. I actually improvised a little bit out there, which was dangerous, but I did. I improvised the day of, which was crazy. But, you know, to me, the greatest mindset is, sorry, I'm cooking, a, I'm, I'm washing a cucumber right now. It's got, it's a little bit, it's like, I don't know, like not oily, but just plasticky. Anyway, the, the greatest mindset you can have, what is it? And I think of it as I am as great as the greatest and as humble as the least. As great as the greatest 
and as humble as the least. And that's it. That's what you strive for, and it's knowing when to push which button. It's, it's being able, I mean, if you don't have the greatest, the greatest thing, you're going to be two and all. You're going to doubt yourself too much. And when you're not, if you're not really confident, you're never, you're always going to scratch the surface of your talent. You're always going to scratch the surface of your achievements when you're not a confident person. You've got to be. If you're a super confident person, you get a lot more done. It's just a fact. But then we've also got to have this respect for people, people who aren't where, where we are, people who are in a bad spot, people who are the janitors, who clean the toilets, who, who do all these things, and we have to, you know, who do maybe serve us food or whatever. And it's, we have to see the humanity in them. We have to see the oneness, the realizing that sort of there before the grace of God go I, and, and that realizing that that could be us. Maybe that was us. Maybe that was us 10 years ago. And, and we're just, at, they're at a different level of awareness and, and they're just as capable as we are of doing great things if the right, if the right moves were made and opportunities were made or if they had been born in this, the right zip code at, this, at a certain time in history to certain parents. I mean, they would be you if, they would be you if they were born to the same parents in the same zip code, same period of time, etc. So... That is it. Great is the greatest, humble as the least. And the humble as the least part is uh, very important because that's the oneness. And we'll talk a lot about oneness too, the oneness of us all as people. Um, A very important concept too. So listen, I am about to get a shower. I am not going to perform this podcast in the shower. Uh, I'm sure they're going to develop something, an app or something. Maybe it already exists. Probably it already exists. Maybe made by a big ego person. Um, but I will. They're going to have the day where we can record this in the shower and they'll be able to eliminate the background water noise. But that day is not today. So, Frank Forza, Life Jitsu, Art of Life, signing off for today. Talk to, check out my. Go to Frank Forza. Go to uh, Google Frank Forza, comma, TEDx. Big Ego, and, and, and find that, that TEDx speech. Please help me bump it up. I think I got less than 500 views. Terrible. Everybody else is outperforming me there. I am a little bit competitive. I loved great people I got to do speeches with, but that's pretty embarrassing, 500. You know, I, we got to bump that up. I, I need, my ego needs that to be bumped up a little bit. So help me out. Spread the word. And uh, I will be back on pretty soon. I love this. Any feedback, it's Frankie, Frankie, F-R-A-N-K-I-E, Frankie at FrankieForza.com. Would love to hear from you. Signing off today. Have a great day. And uh, go out there and and practice a lot of self-love. It's a beautiful thing. And the world needs more of it. And then when you get that down, you build yourself up. Go build a lot of other people. Okay? Have a great day, everyone.